The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen. Brooks, last time we recorded a podcast, you were pretty miserable. How are you feeling this time? Well, I'm good. We're doing this over Zoom, so for everybody, if we have random moments where we crack up, it's because we're misbehaving on the camera. Um we have that sounds really awkward. Oh, who was that? Uh, look, I, I forgot, even though we're on Zoom and I can see him, I forgot to say Go Tigers 247 digital content creator Kenny Stubblefield is here. Oh, hey, with us tonight. <laughs> yeah, we, we've started taking, uh, taking one day a week and just taking off of work, getting the kids out of the house, and going to like a state park and, and basically forcing them to be active and outside. Uh, and it has saved my mental health, so I'm I'm in a much better place than our last podcast. So Kenny, you don't you don't get to gripe and complain as much as as Brooks does about the kids and and all that stuff. How's how's it been for you? Um, you know, man, it's really been it's been a fun time, but um, it's getting a little old. <laughs> oh my god, I'm trying to figure out because my wife listens to this podcast, and so I'm trying to figure out the. Uh, proper um how to how to communicate this without getting kicked out of the bed um but no man it's been great like it's been great um it is there are days and i'm i'm sure everybody that's listening to this episode tonight or this episode when it drops is going to agree that there are days where things are great and then there are days where it's like when the hell is this going to end mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is i just like almost like complete despair of like I can't do this again. I can't do this anymore. It's Groundhog Day. And it's it's just like the movie. You watch day. you watch the movie and it's like some days he wakes up and he's like, I'm gonna try to face today and do something different. And hopefully it changes things and it doesn't. And then the next day he wakes up and completely defeated. Hey Christian, you're single with no kids. How's your <laughs> quarantine been? <laughs> mine's mine's been fine. Mine's been life as usual. I don't have to so deal with two kids <laughs> running around all the time. No, my routine is the same as it was before, so except I don't have to go to school. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not. Why did we invite Kenny on here, Brooks? That's what I'm wondering. All right. So hey, we're we're like already. It feels like ten minutes into this thing, and ha- still haven't said a, a word about sports. So Kenny. 
what are we talking about tonight? So let's um let's dive into a topic that that is going to be once this episode drops, um, people have already heard this, and I think it's a really big deal for the uh, Tiger football team. But this is right up Christian's wheelhouse. So Christian, I want you to um, kind of discuss with us. Um, Gregory Rubin from White Station committed to the uh, Tiger football team today. Uh, give us a breakdown who he is, um, kind of his stats, what he's who like everything you know about him, and and if how important of a commitment this is for the for the Tigers. So I think to to start it off. First off, when you have a local commit, it just feels different from the fan base. There's a different type of reaction when a local guy commits because uh, there are so many high-ranked guys that have left the city in recent years. But uh, Greg Rubin, if you look at the top 247 rankings, is a borderline four-star guy, a top 20 guy in the state of Tennessee. Uh, just got ranked in the composite ranking. I believe he's 756 right now overall. So he's a he's a fairly high ranked kid, especially for Memphis. And when you look at him uh, as a defensive back, to me, what what jumps off the screen screen when you're watching film is that first off, he's six foot, 180 pounds. So he is a modern day prototype cornerback, uh, long, rangy, long arm, speed. Uh, can play man to man, can play zone, can play all the coverage types. Uh, but I think, you know, from talking to him, from talking to his uh, 7v7 coach, James Williams, the thing that, that I keep hearing over and over again is is how hard of a worker he is uh, and, and how much it means to him to come to Memphis. Because look at the offer list. He's got offers from LSU, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and those are legit committable offers. Sometimes kids will have offers from SEC schools that they're not actually a take. I know for a fact those are schools that want Greg Rubin. And instead of going to those schools, he he's choosing to come to Memphis. So first of all, that's that's a big win. When you can when you can get a kid who has major SEC offers to stay at home, that's huge. But then also when you when you start hearing about how good his character is, how hard he works, how much of a leader he is and then the fact that he's versatile on the field. I, I, I talked to him, uh, and he said that the Memphis staff believes he can play safety, nickel corner, outside corner. So he's a versatile guy that can play all across the defensive backfield, and it's it's, it's a huge win for Memphis. They bumped up to 62 overall in the 247 sports team rankings, which is nine spots up. So they're, they're climbing with only four commits, and, and to me, even though he's not the highest ranked right now, uh, this is the one with the most potential as of today. Well, and Christian – those offers that you mentioned, a lot of those are within the last month. You know, Vanderbilt was this week. Uh, so, you know, Memphis is not only closing the deal and shutting the door on a local prospect in the wake of SEC teams knocking on the door, they're doing it right on the hills of these teams saying, hey, we want you. I mean, yeah, that's, absolutely. that's massive. Yeah. Those are, like you said, Vanderbilt was this week. I believe Tennessee and LSU have been both within the past month. So in March, yeah. So the, I mean, the, you would think when when those type of schools get involved, that's when a kid takes takes a step back and says, "Okay, let me let me take more time. Let me show them what I can do this season and see you know see if I get more offers like that or whatever." Uh, but I actually asked him about that because that's something I ask pretty much every kid that I talk to that is interested in Memphis but also has SEC offers because I think it's a valuable point. Those are obviously big-time SEC programs. That's where a lot of kids go to play. So when I asked Greg about it, he said it wasn't easy, which, I, you know, obviously it's not to turn down schools like that. But he felt that Memphis gives him the best opportunity to succeed, uh, to play right away. We know T.J. Carter is a, is a senior this year, so there'll be a void in the secondary. Uh, so there's multiple guys, obviously him and Devontae Nelson, that are going to be that are going to be jockeying for that spot. But he knows he can play early at Memphis. Even if he's not a starter, he'll be a rotational guy as a freshman. Uh, he'll have he'll have tape from the day he steps on campus until he gets off. 
Uh, and then obviously he really loves the coaches. He talked a lot about Coach Clark and the way that he develops players. And and so I think it's 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 interesting to see that they are are getting a guy that's just getting offers from SEC schools. But it shows how good of a recruiting staff they really are. Christian, I know that that's been kind of the um, the aura around the program for years is that it's super hard to keep talent inside of Memphis because we're surrounded by all these SEC schools, these regional SEC schools. Um, do you see this be kind of becoming a new trend, or is this a one-off thing, or, or what are your thoughts on that? So for me, just just from people I talk to and, and from sources that I've talked to, uh, Silverfield is taking a bit of a different approach than Norvell did. And I, and I definitely think Norvell went after those high-ranked guys, but I don't think at the end of the day that he thought he could get as many as he maybe could have. Uh, and that's not a knock on Norville. Obviously, he had great recruiting classes, had the greatest team to ever play in school history, so he was doing something right. Uh, but with, with Silverfield, I think he is he understands where this program is and how far it's come. He understands the coaches that he has on staff. I mentioned Coach Clark. It's a guy that coached five NFL defensive backs for the same team at Colorado that all got drafted. Uh, and Mike McIntyre, who was the coach of the year and then went on to Ole Miss to be the defensive coordinator. So he understands what he has as a staff. And uh, the areas that they obviously uh, have the have the most scouting in the areas that they've recruited in before, uh, and I think he's willing to take a chance on these guys and go all in on guys that may or may not come to Memphis because they have bigger offers. So I don't think it's a one off. I don't think this is the first time we'll see a, a kid choose Memphis over over some SEC offers. Uh, just just from what I've heard, I think it I think it could become a, a trend where they get two or three or four guys every year. Uh, where they end up choosing Memphis because of the playing time and because of the coaching staff over some of those SEC schools. Hey, Kenny, before you turn it over to the next topic, uh, I do want to point out, Christian, you've killed it with uh, football coverage. So for people out there who are suffering right now, missing spring practice, missing all of the the fan uh, festivities that would have gone along with March and April, uh, head over to GoTigers247.com. Uh, Christian actually just did an article about a, a, a three-star wide receiver, Casey Kane, who's a big-time priority for Memphis uh, and has a, a ton of good things to say about Memphis. Head over there, check that out. And he also did a recent article on defensive end Jaleel Clemens as he heads into his sophomore year. Um, so if you're, if you're kind of feeling the urge to, to fill your life with some Memphis football, Christian's got you covered. Yeah, I think Jalil Clemens. This piece that he, that Christian did on Jalil uh, today was was really really good because if you paid attention to the film room episodes that we did last year, uh, Jalil was talked about a lot um, because of not just because of the things that he did on the field during the games, but the potential that he um, had. Christian talked about him more than most of the guys, the young kids on the team. And so I'm really excited to see his development. And as a sophomore, I think he's going to be on the field a lot more and all over that field. It's going to be pretty wild. I think Christian has had a, a man crush on Jalil Clemens from the day he committed to Memphis. Oh, I definitely have. From when, he, <laughs> when, he, when he flipped from Tennessee, uh, I had watched film on him already. I knew who he was. Uh, I knew his potential. So when he flipped to Memphis, uh, automatically I was like, okay, this is a guy to watch. He wasn't even the highest-ranked player in the class, but I think from from the time he committed, I expect him to be the best player in that class. And and I, I you can go back before he touched the field, I said he was going to be an an all-conference type player. So I, I've had confidence in him from the beginning, and he's he's done nothing to to help to help uh, my status on him. So we'll see where it goes from there. 
All right, well, let's move on. Um, man, great job, Christian, on the football stuff. I know everybody's excited to get back, um, get football back. Christian's done an incredible job. Um, we wanted to kind of discuss, there's been a lot of, that's happened since the last time that we did um, a podcast. Um, a lot that's happened with the University of Memphis basketball team. Um, obviously, um, the commitment of Landers Nolly, but the day before, um, Tyler Harris announced that he was going to be transferring from uh, the University of Memphis. He's ended up committing to Iowa State to play. Um, and, you know, with Tyler Harris being a um, born and bred Memphian, um, first 48, um, there's been a lot of, of narrative around his transfer and kind of some of the things that have happened you know, after his transfer announcement. And I know that we wanted to spend a few minutes and just talk about that um, and talk about Tyler, talk about everything that's been going on. So Brooks, I'm going to turn it over to you and you just go with it. Hey, be careful telling me to go with something. Cause I, it, I may take up 20 minutes and this is definitely a topic. I've got the, I've got the <laughs> mute button. I've got the mute button on my side. I'm going to mute. You. I mean, this is definitely a topic I could get on a soapbox about. So uh, first, to anyone saying that Tyler Harris had anything to do with Landers Nolly committing to Memphis the day after. Stop. It's just not true. They had absolutely nothing to do with each other. Tyler Harris had been planning to transfer for weeks. And and we we three had discussed that privately on text message. And I think, you know, there were a few other people that knew uh, that to expect it, that would constantly text me and be like, is Tyler in the transfer portal yet? Has Tyler trans? Why has he not transferred yet? And I'd just be like, I don't know what's happening though. That There was never a question about whether or not Tyler Harris w- was going to transfer. And here's why Tyler Harris saw the writing on the wall that Memphis was moving away from him being any kind of centerpiece for this team. Period. Tyler Harris was not going to be a guy that was going to get 25 to 30 minutes in his junior year or his senior year. He was not going to be a guy that got 12 to 15 shots. He was not going to be that guy. And that's what Tyler Harris needs. Um, One, he thrives in that type of environment. You know, shooters got to shoot. You got to get some rhythm. You've got to get some flow. So Tyler wants that opportunity, but also to be seen because he's 5'9". He's got to showcase what he brings to the table in order to be seen, whether it be to play overseas or the G League or wherever he has aspirations to play. He's got to be able to showcase his abilities. His abilities are solely centered around his ability to make shots. And if he's not going to get them at Memphis, he's got to go somewhere else. Um, You know, to John Varlis, let me just, if I could look you in the eye, face-to-face, this is when I would do it. John Varlis, you're, you're stirring the pot. Is, is One, it's pointless. And two, you're not hiding the fact that you're a UT fan in the city of Memphis trying to poke the bear that is the University of Memphis fan base. Stop it. Uh, you know, There's absolutely nothing about Tyler Harris transferring that shows any sort of negative trend with the University of Memphis, Penny Hardaway, and the program. Here's why. Tyler Harris was a dude that Penny Hardaway wanted and needed in his very first recruiting class because he needed dudes. He got hired 
late in the process, needed as many bodies as he could get, and Tyler Harris was uncommitted. He needed Tyler Harris. He was a 131-rated player in the country. He's not some top 25 five-star like Kennedy Chandler from the city of Memphis. So when Penny Hardaway goes out, starts recruiting guys over him, starts getting guys who, you know, Penny Hardaway has made no bones about it, he, he likes big guards because he's a big guard himself. He goes out and gets a guy like Landers Nolly, who, again, had nothing to do with Tyler, but it just goes to show you that now that Penny has more time to get his guys, he's going for bigger, bigger point guards, bigger shooting guards, bigger small forwards. Um, so, that, I mean, it just speaks to where Penny is headed in year three versus where he was in year one. What fit in year one doesn't necessarily fit in year three. And you can say, well, what about Alex Lomax? Alex Lomax is Penny Hardaway's dude and has been from day one. A lot of people said that's why Tyler should not have come to Memphis. Because if it came down to choosing one small in stature point guard over the other, most people argued that Penny would, you know, just by default choose Alex. So stop. It has nothing. And, and here's the thing. Look at 2021, 2022. One, there aren't many high-level local prospects that that Memphis can and should recruit if they want to be a top 10 team in the country. And I'm not speaking for every kid. Kennedy Chandler, obviously a tremendous prospect. Musa Cisse, he's not a local guy. You could, you know, you could check that guy off your list. He's not local. He he plays in the city of Memphis, but he is not a city of Memphis kid. But other than other than Kennedy, Memphis is looking elsewhere. They're they're recruiting similar to what John Calipari did. John Calipari said when he was in Memphis, he said, the only time I will recruit a city of Memphis guy is if he's special, if he's elite. And and if not, I want to go get a, a guy from Detroit or Baltimore or Chicago, like Derrick Rose. Go get an elite level guy who doesn't have people around him here in the city who can focus on playing ball, getting in, in the classroom, getting better, period. End of story. Nothing else going on. So Penny has taken that same approach, and I don't blame him. So done. I'm off my soapbox. Well, and I think it's a good look for Tyler, too. I mean, Tyler wants to be able to showcase his skill set. And it was very, very clear by who they were recruiting um, that that he needed to move on in order to be able to showcase his skill set. And I, the hand-wringing of we did him wrong – we did him wrong, sorry. The Tiger program did him wrong, that Penny did him – that, that – to me is a disservice to you know Tyler number one because it's his decision to make that he wanted to leave um you know I it is it is what it is and um I think everybody here at Go Tigers 247 wishes Tyler the best right like we want him absolutely to go. and Kenny don't let me let me say this I said when Tyler made his announcement I said I, I fully believe Tyler would benefit from stepping down a level and just dominating because I think he's capable of doing that. Now, did he do that? No, he went to Iowa State. He's he's going into the Big 12. 
uh, big guards, you know, facing teams like Kansas and Baylor, who returns basically everybody and is going to demolish people. So he heads to a team who won five Big 12 games last year. Five. And they they lose Tyrese Halliburton. And so they have a tremendous opportunity for Tyler, but they also have the chance of being very, very bad next year. So um, I hate that for Tyler. I hope he goes in, dominates, steps into Halliburton's shoes, and, and kills it. But Iowa State took him because they needed bodies. They, need, they needed dudes that could get points for them. And Tyler was the best available for them at that point. So, yeah, and I think another another interesting point. Uh, both of you kind of pointed to you know Tyler saw the writing on the wall, and and Brooks, you mentioned you know bringing in more talent and him having to to accept less minutes. Well, another thing is when you think about the biggest priority on this staff and their biggest priority is defense. And what is the one thing that Tyler Harris really, really struggles in is it's on the defensive side of the floor. And we saw it many, many games last year where teams were literally targeting him, ISO and whoever was on him and backing him down to the basket and scoring. So, you know, even even though he is a guy that can step out and shoot and he, he can be a spark plug for a team, I think the the def- defensive inefficiency that he has is another thing that he saw and said, okay, this is the best defensive team in the country one of the best defensive teams in the country and that just doesn't fit my skill set and what what I excel in so I think it's a it's a good move for both sides and I think both of you kind of echoed that a little bit but uh that's that's my two cents on it if you can't if you can't be an elite defensive player Penny Hardaway and the staff probably probably don't want you around and we were talking earlier today just privately about how shocking it is that you know Tyler and when we say that Tyler struggling on defense is not because of a lack of effort um, Tyler had incredible effort on the floor in terms of like open court when they were pressing. He was right up there on the point. Like, I mean, he he got up on the player that he was guarding. It was in the half court defense that he suffered because of his size. And it's, it's exactly what the, both of you guys have mentioned that nothing you, know, you can do about that. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that he could do about it. And so it was. It's not a. It's not even a disrespectful thing to say about Tyler that he struggled on the defensive side. It is what it is. It is what it is. But the crazy thing is, is it shows how great the Tigers were on defense, having a liability such as Tyler on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, that is the numbers were pretty apparent how good the Tigers were on defense last year, and now. They that I'm trying to say this the best way possible. Now that liability is gone in terms of on the defensive end of the floor, and and it's only going to get bigger and better. I think for them on the defensive flo- side of the floor. Absolutely. What's next? So let's uh let's take a break real quick for our sponsors, and um, when we come back, we're going to talk about. Landers Nolly's commitment, um, some of the news about the NCAA that's come out over the last couple of days, um, and then just kind of end it, end it and figure out NCAA stuff and what that means for the Tiger program. And uh, But let's take a break, and we'll come back. 
Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Coming out of that break, there's nothing we can do but laugh. <laughs> just laugh. Hey, <laughs> hey, man. Just yeah, you just have there. to laugh. I mean, give the man credit. Give the man credit. He went for it. Kenny went for he, it. He, to close he threw it. A, a break in there, an ad break in there that we weren't expecting, and that was good. <laughs> we we needed that. I no one knew it was coming. And, I tried. And he <laughs> I tried so hard. I don't even. I don't. I don't. I did not. I did not know what he was saying. <laughs> I don't even think we were talking about that stuff. I don't know what for the ads. You will listen to things in your ears, and we will come back. And we're gonna come back and talk about more stuff. stuff And the great success. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna end it. We're gonna end it. High five, Kenny. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, after that beautifully eloquent closing we have from Kenny, let's open it back up. Have I been fired, Uh, Brooks? We. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you. This is this is a first and last. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Brooks, we we've, we've talked at length about Landers Nolly and the commitment, and then there's obviously the question of is he going to be eligible? Is he not going to be eligible? What's going to happen? Uh, there's obviously been some new news from the NCAA that could potentially mean something towards that. But just let us know a little bit. Talk about uh, what you're hearing and and where we could possibly be sitting with Landers Nolly and his eligibility next season. Yeah. So Landers Nolly and his commitment to Memphis. The reason why it's going to be an ongoing item of importance is that whether or not he plays for Memphis in the 2021, uh, 2020-2021 season is completely dependent, for the most part, on the new legislation from the NCAA related to immediate transfer eligibility. And you know, prior to Landers' commitment to Memphis, all of the discussion from assistant and college coaches off the record, uh, you know, privately. And, and even what you saw in the media was that the general consensus was that the NCAA was going to vote on this legislation in May and that it was going to be passed for immediate uh, implementation. So players who transferred this offseason would be eligible immediately starting in 2020. Well, this week, it seems that, that that you know kind of general tenor has shifted, and now we're looking at you know the possibility that players who transferred will have to sit out yet again another season. But here's the thing: people were panicked, and even in the release today, uh, today is what is today's date? I don't even know what today date of the week it is. What is? It is April 30th. Thursday, April 30th is when we're recording this. The NCAA released a statement today and stated that they were recommending that the you know immediate eligibility legislation be pushed. Uh, but that even in that, that release, they stated that it's possible that the legislation could be voted upon on May 20th. So everyone is freaking out, and I get it. Because it, it has huge implications for Memphis in you know this coming up season, uh, 
with Landers Nolly, but here's the thing. It's possible. It's still possible that they could vote on it and that it could pass and that it could go into effect immediately. Do I think that's likely given the kind of general consensus we're seeing? No. But here's what I would say. I fully expect Memphis to go out and get another player for the perimeter to go with the big man that they're looking to fill and close out the class with both a guard slash wing and then a big. Uh, so if if they you know feel like they're losing Landers Nolly to having to sit out based upon the NCAA's decision, that will change what level of player or what type of player they're willing to take this year. It will so if if Landers sits for sure. Memphis's expectation for that wing or guard is at like if you're on a scale of one to ten, immediate impact, you're looking at like a nine plus, a guy that can immediately come in and play. And there are those dudes out out there. And here's here's what people are not remembering. Not every player who has entered the the NBA draft will remain in the NBA draft. And not every player who pulls their name out will stay at the school that they were at prior to entering their name. Players that are juniors specifically that can become grad transfers after withdrawing their name from the NBA draft all of a sudden become the hottest commodity in the country. And I do believe that Memphis will be involved with one or more guys that can come in right away and make an immediate impact. So that's can we just, that's the biggest thing. Can we can we just call that what it is though? It's that's bullshit. Like from the NCAA, that's bullshit. Oh. Uh, well that's the the NCAA's nickname is the bullshit athletic <laughs> association. That's, it, that's somewhere in that's somewhere in the initials. Yeah, it's it's the B A A. Yeah. It's it's crazy or because like BSAA. you said B, B, some, we need another letter in there. But it's cra- it's crazy when you when you think about like you said the sentiment from talking to everyone involved and around the game was that this rule would be passed and and once again it is not final yet we do not know what it will be but I'm just gonna go ahead and put this on record beforehand if it doesn't pass that's bullshit I mean these kids they weren't they weren't allowed to get their the last what ten games their conference games tournament games potentially. Uh, they weren't able to get that, and now you're not you're not going to allow them to transfer. You're going to make them sit, especially a kid like Landers, who already redshirted, had to sit, played a year at Virginia Tech, didn't get to play in his conference tournament, and now he has to come sit again. I, I don't know. Especially, I, I, don't, I mean, Christian, just just think about it. We're in the middle of a global pandemic where people have been told, "Go home. You cannot be at your school. You cannot be in your gym. Like, nah. You got to go home." And and guess what? There's a lot of players out there that are wanting to transfer back home that are not junior uh, guys that are grad transfer eligible. They're freshmen, sophomores that want to transfer. And and guess what? They just want to be closer to home because they, they went home, they've been around home, and they realize, you know what? I like being around my family. And the NCAA right. is like, screw that. We can't nah. we can't pass legislation for you to get paid and to be able to transfer immediately. That'd be like, you know, Christmas for a- athletes that get nothing basically. Uh I was gonna ask you, Brooks, do you think that 
the cha- the developments that have been happening with the names and likenesses and players being able to possibly profit off of that has anything to do with this announcement of the Board of Governors today? Do you think that there's a connection there? I, I, I don't think that the two are tied. I think more than anything, what has to do with the possible delay of the implementation of the transfer rule is I, I fully believe that the NCAA is already talking to conferences, uh, athletic directors, and even coaches about the possibility that the 2020-2021 basketball season could be altered. And whenever I say that, I mean, I don't mean canceled. I mean, the possibility that we're looking at either a partial season where we're only playing conference games from January forward um, or playing November and December games with no fans, I think it's possible that we have an altered season. And then as a result, with the chaos that that comes with that, the NCAA just does not want to deal with having to implement such a a wide, um, you know, a widely affected policy and legislation that affects so many guys that they've got to somehow get a handle on. Because, I mean, let's just be honest. May 20th, if that passed and it was immediate, the floodgates are opening. And that that goes for Memphis, too. Like, I'll be honest. I think if the legislation passed, there are one or two guys that could have, that could be potential transfer candidates just because it makes things simpler. Yeah, and, and Kenny, I, I don't want to get too far on what Brooks is talking about because typically when Brooks says something... We could go down a yeah, rabbit typically hole. Typically when Brooks says something, we leave it where it is and we move on. Uh, but anyway, Kenny, you brought up something interesting <laughs> uh, about the NCAA paying for likeness and name. And isn't it funny how all this time there's been people like Ed O'Bannon and a whole list of names that have tried to, to get this done. The G League, the new affiliate, comes in and takes... Three five-star guys, Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, Dacian Nix, and then the NCAA brings this up and doing it. And by the way, when you look at all the stipulations, it's once again kind of bullshit. It's not, it's not what you would expect it to be when you go look at everything that has to happen for you to be able to profit off of your name and likeness. So I just think it's funny how all these years people have been fighting for this and begging for this. You take three five-star guys away, and the NCAA finally says, okay, maybe we should make a change. I just think it's funny. Hey, I'm I'm all about you know hundreds, if not thousands, of former players going to a lawyer and, and filing a class action lawsuit against the NCAA and telling the NCAA, hey, guess what? You have now made it okay for players to get paid while they're in school based upon their name, image, and likeness. And when we were in school, you told us that that was not okay. I, we are suing you for lost wages, for lost opportunity. Uh, I think that's going to be really interesting to see um, if and when somebody files a lawsuit. And I, I do think that that's going to happen. It's going to be, and to me, is that the beginning of the end for the NCAA? May we all hope so. <laughs> May we all hope so. At least the way that it's operated at the bare minimum. Yeah. I mean, because here's the thing. 
the way that you get rid of the NCAA is you take their money. And if a lawsuit like that is is successful, <laughs> I don't see any way that they can feasibly survive. So, uh, Kenny, now we're kind of we've gone way down a rabbit hole with the NCAA. We've uh, touched on pretty much everything we wanted to talk about, other than the biggest news of this podcast, and that's walk on commit Connor Glennon. That's, I mean, to me, that honestly, I've been excited about uh, talking about this because no one's really talked about it. No one really saw it coming. Um, Christian scooped it like, what, three weeks before it actually happened. Um, so I just took your, I just took your job, I think. Well, I mean, yeah, that was obvious after that. <laughs> that was obvious after my little <laughs> well, then. segue into um, uh, <laughs> ad break. <laughs> I'm just sitting over break. here quiet. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so let's talk. Um, to close this thing out, last week, um, six-foot point guard, I think that's his height, uh, Connor Glennon from Chicago, Illinois, announced that he was, quote-unquote, committing to the University of Memphis. And it threw some people into a tizzy because some people thought, you know, who is this guy you know we don't know anything about him is he a scholarship player a lot of people did not realize he's a walk-on um did you get any dms i got three dms that were like can y'all record an emergency podcast on this right now and i was like it's just a it's a (laughs) walk-on yeah but here's the thing it's awesome i mean the story is tremendous um so for those that don't know here's the connection to connor and the university of memphis and how he ended up committing to the University of Memphis and what it means. It's it's not groundbreaking by any means. It's not earth-shattering. It's not going to change the landscape of Memphis basketball. But it is a tremendous story of relationships, and I'm all about that. So Connor Glennon and his dad, Mike, uh, are connected to the University of Memphis through uh, first-year assistant Cody Toppert. Cody Toppert has relationships with people in Chicago, and one of those is Mike Glennon. Um, Mike Glennon uh, has multiple, as I would say, tentacles in the uh, Chicago area through the draft NBA draft combine activities that are done in Chicago. He is a part of Gannon Baker basketball. He is a coach for Chicago Lockdown uh, AAU and is a skills trainer and developer in the city of Chicago. So with all of his relationships, especially with Gannon Baker, who is, uh, you can Google it, Gannon Baker and Cody Toppert go way back. Um, that relationship is what built the bridge for Cody Toppert to find out about Connor. And because Cody Toppert is one of the best skills development guys in the NBA, and you know has worked out guys for the draft combine for you know multiple years has been involved in that process for uh some extremely high level guys he has been in chicago doing his thing well part of that is when you go to cities that you're not from you need connections you need coaches, you need AAU coaches, you need high school coaches that can get you gyms, that can get you workout facilities. And Mike Glennon was that for Memphis assistant Cody Toppert. Uh, So it turns out Connor is a 
pretty good basketball player as well. He's probably a D2 level basketball player. Uh, he will come in, give a body for practice. So tangibly, that's what he does for the team. But Connor, his ultimate goal is not to play in the NBA. Connor wants to be the next Preston Laird coming from the University of Memphis. He wants to he wants to coach. So he wants to come in and learn player development from Cody Toppert. He wants to come in and learn from you know 30 years of NCAA experience from Tony Madlock. He wants to come in and learn about branding and you know image and you know being a CEO and a head coach from Penny Hardaway. Uh, and so Connor, his connection is based upon relationships with the Memphis staff. And ultimately, he's coming to University of Memphis for the same reason that a five-star point guard would come to Memphis. And that's to reach his ultimate goal. And that's to become a coach. So that's the backstory. We had people ask about it. I figured I would give it. What do y'all think? Any, any Anything to add? Let's let's let Kenny talk. I, I I'm watching Kenny on the screen on our Zoom conference. He's he very close sad. to the mic and looks like he's ready to talk. Well, I, no, I'm good. I love this. I love that story. And as a filmmaker, it excites me about possibly, hopefully, doing something with with him. But um, you mentioned Preston Laird, and that's exactly who I was thinking of in terms of of. A comparison, a player comp, if you will, is that in, is in that he could be Preston Laird, but he also could be Josh Pastner. Like, what a great story, right? He's the Josh Pastner and Lute Olson. It could be Connor Glennon and Penny Hardaway. Like, that is a dope story. Well, Josh started when he was like 13, and he started a full-blown scouting service that was basically like a pyramid scheme. Uh, Josh, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Uh, wow. <laughs> No, I mean it wasn't a pyramid scheme. It was like it wasn't there was it wasn't a real scouting service in that it wasn't like from someone with years of experience. It was a thirteen year old kid and college coaches bought gonna, into it. I'm gonna reel Brooks in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop talking. I've been drinking since like nine AM. <laughs> no, I think that's I I just think it's a really cool story, man. I think that, that and it's a good pickup for the Tigers. I mean, they you know, you need bodies in practice. You need smart players you need guys who have been around the game for a long time and that's 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 him well here's the thing kenny people don't talk about this last year last season memphis had practices where they legitimately did not have a full five versus five they had you know guys that could not participate they had guys that were injured they had guys that were sitting out and they they didn't have a full-blown practice team and that's why you see, you know, like Instagram post of, you know, Mike Miller participating in practice and working out against the guys or Cody Toppert being in the scrimmage. That's why you saw that. They didn't have a full 10, ten guys. What's interesting about that is that when those when those pictures came out, the the comments around those pictures were what other school could you go to that could have their coaches play against their players? Yeah, like it was a good thing. Like it was a good thing. And I'm sitting there going, Ooh, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> we need you bodies. Cody Top- yeah, we just need bodies. Yeah. You know? So, and Connor Glennon's a good player and he's going to provide that for them. So, yep. So, it's a good look. Um, I mean, do we got anything else? I feel like we've gone forever. Um, I, I feel like I've turned into the mediator over here because you guys like talking more than me. Um, 
But after that, I guess we don't have anything else. If you if you missed it and haven't seen it and listened to it yet, I did a full 30-minute interview with Precious Achiwa uh, talking about the NBA draft, his career at Memphis, his career highlights, all that good stuff. And he actually mentioned something you guys are talking about. He said walking into practice every day, he didn't know who was going to be healthy or available. So that kind of just speaks a little bit more to that. But other than that, Brooks, I think I think we're good. We got any 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 closing any any parting words from somebody? Well, you guys want me to close it out? I can do that real no, quick. No, other than Kenny? No, 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 <laughs> no. But do you have anything else? No, I'm good. Christian? I head over to the site. Everything, Like Brooks said, everything we got, football, basketball, we're giving it all right now. Uh, we mentioned the last podcast episode, so I'm not going to get as sentimental again. But, you know, everything we do, we do it for you guys, especially in this time. It's boring. Don't have anything to do. So we put out as much content as possible, whether it's podcasts or articles or whatever we can do uh, at this time to help. I think the summary of everything we have to say right now is we are all bored. Pretty much. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily. And you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.